0: you're listening to another Hopefield message from life for more information about our church visit lifeau.org so we're going to start by reading a little bit of scripture and it's a it's a proverb actually does anyone know the book of proverbs uh, we've all heard of chinese proverbs or good little pearls of wisdom now, the Bible has 31 chapters of Proverbs of good wisdom. I would encourage you, take some time to read a proverb a day at some point, and you'll find a lot of great wisdom to go into your life. But we're going to nail down one great one that I, that I absolutely love, and it's a real uh, declaration of my life and something that I have to continually come back to. And it's Proverbs 3, uh, verse 5 and 6, and it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. One more time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. It's pretty cool, eh? The message today, if you're taking notes, is called, Who Knows Best? The the simple question, who knows best, but we'll pray first. Lord, we thank you so much. For the opportunity to be in church on the 30th of December, 2018, and God, we uh, we thank you for what the year has been, God. Whether it be good or bad in our own lives, uh, God, we know that you're in the midst of it and you're you're a part of it, God. And we're excited about looking ahead, Father. We're excited about taking a moment to pause and reflect and then make some uh, some decisions moving forward as well. And God, we ask that in 2019, God, that you would uh, bless us, Lord, that you would bring your presence into our homes, God. You bring your presence your presence into our workplaces, God, into our schools, and Lord, that you would just be with us inside and out. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. 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 Is there anyone in the room that's married? Put your hand up if you're married. Awesome. Anyone want to be married? Awesome. Take a look around. (laughs) That's a classic preacher joke, that one. Gosh. Uh, I'm coming up almost seven years married in February, which uh, is is awesome. Yeah, thank you. I need all the applause I can get. Um, well, I don't. Hannah does, because she's had to live with me. Um, but has, did anyone else, when they got married or when they started to, to spend some time with someone, uh, get to this point where you realized you disagreed on a few things? There's a big yes over there somewhere. Good, I like it. But, you know, you're doing an everyday task at home, uh, the dishes... Pack in the car to go on holiday, and uh, you realize that you disagree on the method on how to get that task done. Anyone? I was talking to some friends earlier, uh, David and uh, Kane before, and Kane actually let us know about uh, a struggle that he had when he got married. Because Kane is a, is a Moldy boy from New Zealand, uh, grown up, you know, having to do everything from the age of three um, for yourself. Uh, cook your own food, get your own shoes, walk yourself to school, etc. And then he married Vanessa, who, where's Vanessa, just walked in, who is uh, from a cultured background, um, Latino, is that right? Latino background. So when they got married, Vanessa's culture says that she has to do everything for Cain, right? But Cain's culture is like, no, I can do it myself, So Vanessa would get told off by her mum if she didn't get Cain a plate when they were out for dinner and go get him a plate and bring it to him. Or didn't do his washing or didn't uh, make his lunch in the morning. And Cain started fighting against this for some reason. I'm not really sure why. (laughs) But then he had what I like to call the ah, aha moment. We realized, oh, that's what it's about. Okay, I get it. I'm going to rest in this now. And they're happily married. Um, She makes his lunch every day, and it's just a good thing. I remember when I got married, uh, one simple thing was Hannah's family would leave the butter in the cupboard, and we would put the butter in the fridge. (laughs) Simple thing. I was like, I honestly, when we got married, she put the butter in the cupboard. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just, I don't understand at all why you put the butter in the cupboard, like at all. And then I had, about a couple of months later, I had this, oh, that's why. Because you can spread it on your toast so much easier than if it's in the fridge. We have these moments where we disagree on method, but then we have the, oh, that's why moment. We would always have it when we're going away on holiday, and I'd I'd like to think I can pack a good car to go away. You know, you've got to get everything in the car. And so I look at everything. Some other guys might do this as well. I look at everything, and I visualize it. And then I look at the boot, and I visualize it. And then I go, okay, it's all going to fit like this. So I've got this plan in my brain how it's going to work, but other people would come along and go, oh, just put this there. I'm like, no, don't put that there. That's going to ruin the plan. And then at the end, they would have the moment where they'd say, Oh, that's, I get it now. I get what you were doing. I get what you're about. And I think there's moments in the Bible as well where there was this disparity between God and man as well. Where God had a way of doing something and man was like, Oh, whoa, I'm not sure. I'm not quite, I don't understand it. But then come the end of it, there would be this, Oh, I get it now, God. Oh, I get it. And one of those I was thinking about was. Uh, Jesus and the fishermen uh, in Luke 5. And the story goes, Jesus is walking past the lake. I should probably just read it to you. I'll read it to you. Luke 5 verse 1. One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of Sea of Galilee. Great uh, crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats on the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon its owner to push it onto the water. I might just go down to the marina get in a boat, and say, hey, mate, push me out, and then I'll get to go out on a boat. That'd be awesome. (laughs) I want to go fishing. Anyone got a boat? Take me fishing, please. (laughs) So Jesus sat in the boat and talked from the crowds. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were full and began to tear. I think there may be a little bit of conversation that was left out in that moment. If you understand what has happened, Simon and his friends have been out fishing all night. And they've come in, they've fully cleaned the boat. They're currently cleaning the nets. And then Jesus says, go back out, you'll catch heaps. And they're kind of like, "Um, I'm not sure you understand, but we've been out all night, we haven't caught anything, and you're telling us to go back out. What's different now? Like, I I don't know. So they're having this moment where they're like, I don't understand your method. But what I love is that then they say, but because it's you, we'll go. Because it's you, we'll go. And it says that they, they caught a whole bunch of fish. And who knows, in that moment, they go, oh, I get it now. That's why you told us to go back out. The second uh, story that I was thinking about was uh, when Jesus predicts his death in uh, Mark chapter 8. And it goes like this. Then Jesus began to tell them, so he's talking to his disciples, that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he uh, talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside. Peter had this, I don't understand God, why? Why? I don't get it. Peter took him aside and reprimanded him for saying such things. Jesus turned around, looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan. You should be really careful that Jesus doesn't ever call you that. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. Who knows that when Jesus did come back, Peter would have had that moment where he goes, Oh, I get it now. I get what you're talking about. You see, just like these stories in the Bible, we actually every day have moments of disconnect with God and what we think we know best. We have moments where God would do it one way or speak to us about doing it one way, but we think we know best. Come on, I'm, I, I know this. I do. <laughs> it's often in my life that this happens. You know, Often we get this promise from God. We get this, uh, this moment where God says, You're, this is going to happen to you, or this is how things are going to work out. I will get you that job. I will heal you. I will bring your family member home. But in the process, we get lost. In the process of waiting, we actually get lost. And then when it does happen, when that promise happens, a lot of the time, we sit there and go, oh, cool, I made that happen. Oh, cool, that was me. And then you go home at night and you lie in bed and you go, actually, no, that's right. God did promise this. And you have that aha moment. You go, God, okay, this is what you're talking about. So I ask the question in everything that we're journeying in, every day, everything that we, we are facing, who knows best? Is it God that knows best? God, the creator of the earth? God who created every single one of us, who knows everything about us? Who says that there's a plan and purpose for your life, who you know, wants to spend all eternity with us, does God know best or do I know best? Me, who, who is led by humanly, you know, flesh, who is who is led by impulsion, who is led by, by different things that happen to me, who lives in a sinful world, who knows best? Is it God or is it me? Well, I'd like to come to the conclusion, and I hope you would agree, that God actually does know best. <laughs> that no matter what we've been through, God does know best. And you know, we're going to take a moment just to unpack this, this proverb just a little bit. And how do we practically apply this proverb which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Come on, as we reflect on 2018, let's take a moment to think back. As we take a moment to look forward, well, how do we apply this scripture to our lives? How do we apply this trust that is unwavering to our life? And I want to talk about trust. Trust in God can often be a pretty touchy top topic. No doubt in this room, there's many people who have different opinions about their trust in God. Or maybe have different experiences that then determine their trust in God. Come on, Often our trust in God is determined by what God has or hasn't done for us. Is that right? Often our trust in God is because, or our lack of trust in God is because of something has happened to us that causes us to distrust God. But if you think about it, trust in our everyday life, like like with our friends, turn the person next to you and say, I trust you. Be careful. Do you trust them? That's the real question. But our trust with one another, with the person next to us, is actually... Conditional on the kind of life that they live towards us. Is that right? The trust with one another is conditional because if someone does good by you continually over and over again, our trust will grow in them. Is that right? Is that right? Awesome. But if someone was to do bad by you, maybe even once, but over and over again or do wrong by you or disappoint you or let you down and say they'll do something and then don't do it, our trust in them would then decrease. So our trust, the, the trust that we understand is, as you know, human to human is conditional. It's, it's something that is uh, ever-changing. The dictionary definition of trust is to believe in the reliability, truth, or ability of. So why is trust conditional? Well, it's pretty simply, it comes back to the fact that we live in a sinful earth. We live on earth where there is the opportunity for us to do wrong. There is the opportunity for us to choose wrong, which then leads to us being able to not trust someone because they choose wrong to do it. The crazy thing is that with God, he can do no wrong. So technically, there is no reason not to trust him. I want you to listen here, because this is a, a, a hard thing to get your head around. In heaven, I'm not sure that there will even be the word trust. It won't make sense, because no one can do wrong by you in heaven. So if no one can do wrong by you, then technically there's no reason to distrust someone, which then in turn makes it that we trust everyone. Does that make sense? It's a bit of a weird concept to get your head around, but... Because no one can do wrong, then you can't have the opposite either where they have to do right by you because they'll always do right by you. So on earth, it's a weird concept for us to think about this and apply it to God because we live in an earthly realm, but yet God lives in heavenly realm. So God who is all good lives in a place where trust isn't really a thing because you should always trust because he's always going to do good. But we live every day on an earthly realm where we distrust and trust people every day because of what they do to us. So for us to to just take our humanly understanding of trust and apply it to God is probably not the right thing to do. It's probably actually skewing our understanding of what it is to trust God. But it gives us a good base to go. See, the crazy thing is that we should always trust God, but yet we always find ways not to trust God. We always go through life and we find reasons not to trust God. I remember uh, when we moved to Melbourne, uh, it was five, coming up six years ago now, and we moved from Auckland, and it was, it was because of a, a call that God had given us to come to Melbourne. God had clearly spoken to Hannah and I about the fact that we should uproot from Auckland and move to Melbourne, and that he would provide for us in that move. We resigned our jobs, we were so excited, I'm not sure if you've ever had a call from God before, something pretty ex, ex, uh, you know, like outrageous like that, moving countries, leaving all our friends behind, and coming to this new place, it was, it was kind of exciting. And we had multiple uh, confirmations that it was the right thing to do. People that we trusted agreeing. Uh, we had people that we didn't know giving us a prophecy that, you know, we would be out, outside of this nation. All that kind of stuff. And we, So we were so excited. We came with such a dream in our heart about God. God would do. We got here. It was so awesome. We spent the first day helping set up this whole building. Hannah got thrown up on by a little Hopi. Um... They were at IKEA getting something and it was a crazy first day in Melbourne. It was it was it was it was awesome. It was everything we thought it was gonna be. But one month in, Hannah gets a job. Easy, no worries. I don't have a job. I'm like, God, like I, I really did trust you on this one, but Like, I'm pretty sure you're miraculous and you know everything and you can just change someone's mind and all this kind of stuff, but why don't I have a job? Like, I gave everything. I trusted you. And even that moment of saying, I trusted you, what does that mean? I did trust, but right now I'm struggling to trust. I trusted you. Come on, who else has found themselves in a situation where they've trusted God, and felt like he's left you in the dark. Two months go by. Three months go by. I'm like, God, come on. <laughs> Four months go by. I'm doing everything I can. I'm working laboring stuff, but I'm God, the job is there for me. Five months go by. Anyone else being in this situation would know that it's pretty disheartening when you're sending out five, six applications a day. And getting the same amount of emails back every day, saying "Sorry, your application has been unsuccessful." Uh, I'm sure there's people in this room that have been through this, but it's one of the hardest things that you can go through because it's constant rejection. Constant rejection. You start to actually wonder if I'm good enough. Uh, God, did we actually hear you? I'm not sure that we did. If this is if I'm not living in the blessing, did I not hear your voice properly? But Hannah's got. We're doing like. It's just a weird moment. Six months go by. No job. And then I get it. But I tell you, in those three, four, five, six months, I started to distance from God. I started to doubt. I started to say, I'll just have to make it work. I'll just have to go out and, and, you know, convince someone to hire me for, you know, and I'm not excusing hard work. Come on, I worked hard that six months to, to make sure that we were good. But the thing is, I look back at that six months and I just think, I go, how did we even survive financially? I'm like, I don't know how we did it. But the thing is, God was providing for us the whole time, even though I was feeling like he was not there. Even though I was feeling like I couldn't trust him, he was providing the whole time. Nigel, you can come join. Oh, Pete, awesome, man. You know, all of a sudden, in these moments, you find yourself leaning on your own understanding. Exactly what this proverb says not to do. It says, trust in God. Don't look at your own understanding. Just like uh, Jesus said to Peter, you're looking at your own humanly ways. You're not looking at God's ways. You start looking at your own understanding and not trusting God. Come on, when we're believing for a loved one's salvation, when we're facing financial hardship, when we're going through a breakup, maybe you're on top of the world and everything's going well and you just got the promotion. Sometimes it can be harder to trust God when everything goes well. Sometimes it can be harder to trust God when everything's just perfect because you've got no reason to actually engage with God. But the thing is, is that When we're facing these things, when we're facing a moral dilemma at work, when we're facing a child that's walked away from God, do we trust or do we lean on our understanding? Come on, it can be so easy when we've got family members that don't know God and we pray year after year that they would come to know Him to just settle into the fact they're never going to know God. Our own understanding is they're never going to know God. When we're in the the hardest financial place we've ever been, it can be easy just to settle in our own understanding and say, there's no way out. I'll never own a house. I'll never get that car. I'll never go on big holidays. I'll never, it can be so easy to settle in our own understanding. The question is, is who knows best? Does God know best, or do you? Did you take a moment to think about 2018, what's been, what's what's happened this last year? Come on, did you sit in a position where you put God as number one and say God knows best? Or did you lean on your own understanding? Maybe it's just a a few small areas of your life that you say, well, I probably leaned on my own understanding there i can definitely put my hand up and say the same so who knows best going into 2019 who is it that knows best so practically i've got three quick things three things so how do we continually trust god regardless of the situation how do we trust God regardless of the situation? Number one, know what his word says. Know what his word says. Know what it says about who you are, about the plan, and the purpose that he has for your life. Know what it says about the reason that you were created to love others and to love him. Know what the Bible says about your mission on earth is to take as many people to heaven with you as possible. Number two, Remember what he's done before. Remember the miracles that you read about in the Bible. Remember the stuff where Jesus would pick mud up and put it on people's eyes. They would go wash the mud off and they could see and they'd been blind the whole life. Remember the historically recorded miracles that Jesus did on earth. Come on, does that not show that God is a loving that God is a miraculous God, that God knows you, that He knows what you need, that in His timing, not in ours, (laughs) it's the hardest thing to understand, that in His timing, that He will bring fulfillment to that promise. Remember what He's done for you personally. Come on, in that moment of, of no job, moving to Melbourne, I had to remember the prophecies. I had to remember the confirmations that we had to move here. I had to remember everything that God had personally done in my life, miraculously done in my life. I had to remember that because if I didn't, I would lose sight of who God was to me. Remember what He's done before. Number three, potentially the most important, stay connected. I alluded to the fact that in that time, it was easy for me to drift away from God. It was easy for me to get distance. And when you get distance from God, Who knows, the people that you are uh, closest to in your own life are the people you trust the most. Is that right? People you spend the most time with are the people you trust the most. It's the same with God in the way that if you distance yourself, your trust in Him can easily fade. Your belief in His promise can fade. But if you stay close, you stay connected, you pray, you worship, you have moments like we did this morning where all we're simply saying is to worship you, I live. Yes, I want the job. Yes, I want the car. Yes, I want the family. Yes, I want the husband, the wife. But to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. You've got to stay connected. And the, and the cool thing is that I kind of thought about this in this way is that the, that scripture, it says, on you know, the last half of the proverb, it, it talks about how if we trust in Him, If we acknowledge him if we seek his will he will direct our path and often we spend way too much time on the path rather than in the proximity that we need to have with God we think about which door do I need to go down and God's like don't worry about that just have proximity with me and the door will open that you need to go down so there's this these three things that need to align proximity When you have proximity with God, you ultimately get trust in God. When you get trust in God, then you get clarity. Proximity, trust, clarity. It's what this proverb is about: proximity, trust, clarity. You stay close to God, He'll stay close to you. You'll ultimately have a trust in Him, and you'll get clarity on where the path is that you need to go.